DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now once again by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. Getting ready for some uh, big college football this weekend. Yes. And uh, PK knows this from doing the show. You know, I just psychoanalyze everybody and their moods and why people are the way they are. I just can't help thinking about it. And as I was watching that USC game, knowing we were going to have you on, as I watched USC play better and better and go from being in danger of being blown out by Stanford to blowing Stanford out and completely flipping that game, I thought, I wonder... Was that like watching like a six-year-old kid eat like four bags of M&Ms and then run around on sugar high? Is that what USC fans are like right now? It's a, sort of a mixed bag. There's a, because It's weird right now because there's a lot of USC fans that almost wanted uh, Stanford to win that game because they just want to see a change at the head coaching position with Clay Helton. But there's a, you know, I think the majority of the fans were extremely happy. It's a rival, you know, outside of, UCLA and Notre Dame, Stanford's right up there. So to be able to, to bounce back like that and, and get the blowout win was big. But, yeah, early on it looked like Stanford was going to blow USC out. They are up 14-3, and they recovered a fumbled kickoff, and you know, USC was able to hold them to a field goal and, and went on a 42-3 run after that. Yeah, but it was a pretty crazy situation to go from you know, everything was doom and gloom to holy cow, USC's killing them. Yeah, it really is amazing. This might be the only time in history, and me as a former South Bay guy, I'm geeked about this, that SC is playing BYU in Utah in consecutive weeks. Since I have strong roots down there, I'm loving this. this the, obviously this week and then next Friday. And so as we watched that game, all of us were just so amazed to see that young quarterback do what he did. And this week we've adopted can BYU and then next week Utah can they slow the slove? What do you think of that? Pretty catchy, huh? Yeah, I think that's uh, it's good. And you know, BYU secondary looks like they've been good this year. It's I'm gonna. It's interesting. This it'll be interesting to see how Keaton Slovis plays on the road. I think against a tougher secondary, uh, but also how much they use the running game because BYU has been you know giving up some some yards on the ground. So I, I think Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator, has been uh, uh, you know willing to run the ball more than. You know, in the different kind of offenses you see with the air raid, like a Mike Leach type of offense, if they feel like there's a better matchup there or if they're going to let their true freshman kind of sling it all over the field. But, yeah, he's he, was, he couldn't have much of a better start for his very first start as a true freshman. It was the best one in USC history as far as, you know, freshman debuts. But I think, you know, for, for BYU and Utah, you want to beat USC, you're going to have to slow. He can slow us down somehow. And uh, we'll, we'll see. It's only, you know, he only has one start, but it looked pretty good than what we saw. So was this, we had Norm Chow on, and you know, he's kind of wired in, but he's not there every day or anything, but he still texts with people and talks with people, and he said he was surprised the quarterback battle went on for so long, and I think that was generally viewed, and in Norm's tone, I think it was viewed as, man, how come a guy with experience can't lock this down? In retrospect, were the coaches seeing something out of the freshmen thinking, we don't really want to play the freshman, but man, look at him in practice. Maybe we ought to. Was that what was going yeah. on in August? I think there's a little bit of that, yeah. I mean, we talked to Graham Harrell, and he was definitely singing the praises of Keaton Slovis. But it, the weird thing is, guys, when we would see you know football in the spring, football in the fall, it looked different for all the quarterbacks. I mean, just having this better offensive system in place – 
was a big deal. And, and a guy like Keaton Slovis could come in, you would think, oh, he's going to redshirt. There's three guys with experience in front of him. Um, but he was competing, and uh, he was putting a position where everyone was sort of starting on the same page because it was a new system. But it was all it was easy for all of them. They, you know, we'd, they'd, we'd have scrimmages. You'd see all four of those guys get in there, and all four of them throw for high percentages. So I think it definitely helped uh, that, that this new system sort of put them on more of a level playing field. But he was playing above that three-star ranking he had coming out of high school. So do you think this – AD situation works to distract or galvanize the team? That's a good question. Um, there's, there, you saw some of the tweets from a couple of the football players didn't seem to be all that upset that Lin Swan uh, was gone. Uh, I, I think it sort of hyper uh, just focuses things for, for Clay Helton especially because Lin Swan is the guy that had uh, you know Clay Helton's back, and you know it, there's going to be more uncertainty now. And I think the focus on just hey, you got to win games is is even more so now. He's um, not going to have someone in his corner uh, like Lynn Swan, and I think he knows there's going to be a lot of pressure. It it might be like oh, you have eight and four, an eight and four season, it's pretty good. That's not good enough, or even a nine and three season, or some people have said even like a ten and two season where you don't make the playoffs. Like I think now it's about hey man. All bets are off. We have no idea what's going to happen if they bring in a new athletic director. They might have the full intention of getting a new head coach no matter what. We just have to kind of put our nose to the grindstone and win games. So I think it might, I don't know about being a distraction, but I think it's going to you know, focus this team more on, hey, we just have to win now because the future is uncertain. I'm curious with all the talk about the first six games, and of course it led to, you know, oh, they could be 2-4 and four and Helen could be gone by midseason. Well, now the 2-0 and oh, at what point do these guys just start thinking, we are awesome, look at us shred the early part of the schedule? I mean, do they need another win? Do they need a second conference win? I don't know if you can get inside the, the brain of 20- and 21-year-olds, but at what point did these guys start believing, and that alone takes them to another level? Yeah, I think they started believing like when they were down early uh, against Stanford and were able to come back. Last year's team would have never come back from that point. So I think... It gave them confidence. I think the defense has more confidence knowing that the offense is going to come out there and score points, where I think last year the defense maybe got a little bit of, bit of a bad rap, but they were put in a lot of bad situations. There's a lot of 14-point leads early in the game that USC blew. I mean, they lost four games last year where they had double-digit leads. So I think it's sort of, you know, when the offense would kind of just shut down and not be able to do anything, it really was demoralizing to the team. Now that you know the offense can go out and score points, I think it helps all units, and they're all, they all feel better. Like, oh, you know, even if we get down, we can come back and score some points. So I think that's that confidence has helped. But to me, uh, I mean, these next two games are key. Um, I mean, the Utah game especially because it's you know probably for the, the you know the Pac-12 South winner will come out of the winner of that game most likely. So if you know they can start off four and zero, I mean that's a way different than what I thought the season was going to go. Um, I think that would give them a lot of uh, confidence. But, you know, the the two road games, Washington and Notre Dame, are sort of up for grabs. But I think the, the Utah game is really important just because it's for you know likely for the division. And if they can win the division, at least it's a step in the right direction. I can't say that I'm 
extremely surprised, but I may maybe mildly or a little surprised on how well they've been able to run the ball so far. It's only been two games, but I, I thought that you know, given the fact that they threw the ball for 377 yards against Stanford, I thought the running game was good enough. What is your evaluation of it? Yeah, you know, the, I think this is an offensive line over the last couple of years that you know that underperformed you know, compared to the talent that they had. And it just didn't seem like it was a cohesive unit uh, with Tim Drevno, the new offensive line coach who moved over from running backs. And he was the old offensive line coach at USC. He was sort of out of position uh, last year. I think it's helped quite a bit. And I think their strength and conditioning program changes in the offseason helped too. I think it's a tougher group of guys. I don't think that the line is as deep uh, or as talented maybe as the last couple of years, but they're playing at a much higher level, and, and I think Tim Drevdo, you know, talked about that in practice this week. Uh, they, you know, they, they know that that was a question mark. You know, a lot of people say, "Hey, what's a question mark on the team?" You say the offensive line, but I think that the line is playing better, and I think the scheme it's helping them more, where they're getting the ball out faster, so pass protection isn't as hard. Uh, you really don't have to hold your blocks all that much, but I, that still doesn't equate to, hey, you can get some push when you need to to pick up short yardage situations in the run game, and they were doing that pretty well. So, like you said, it's only two games in, but they look a lot better in that aspect of the game than we saw the last couple of years. You know, it's early in the season, so there's still going to be surprises as far as what teams can and can't do. But historically at BYU, they've been pretty good against the run. There have been games where the secondary's been exploited, you know, if you go big picture. But watching that USC game, I was stunned at how good the running game was, and I couldn't really make up my mind if they were better power run right between the tackles, which helped them finish drives and get in the end zone. But when they did run outside, they like caved in the whole side of Stanford's line a couple times. I mean, there's this guy running all by himself down the sideline, and there's nobody around him. USC, better power run game or better getting guys outside into space because they got athletes and let them run? I think I'm going to go with the latter. I think that you know you saw like Stephen Carr run around the edge for a 25-yard touchdown. And, uh, I mean, even in the, the passing game, the quarterbacks are taught to, you know, swing it out there if the first couple reads aren't there. If you can put, you know, you put it out in the flat to a guy like Stephen Carr of a Vibe Malapai, they can make guys miss. And Carr, like Carr in the first game – uh, he had a couple of touchdowns against Fresno State. He was making like two guys miss on every play. So I think getting those guys in space is what they're probably best at right now. I think they'd like to get better uh, at some of the power stuff inside. And I, you know, they they might be. We just haven't. I don't think the sample size is big enough yet. But we right. know the kind of athletes they have. If you get them outside in some space, they're going to have uh, success. So we'll see. I think that the inside game is still much of a work in progress, but. They've, they've, they've shown when they get like Stephen Carr outside there, he can make guys miss and, and find his way into the end zone. I'm trying to figure out the psychological advantage, disadvantage from the BYU perspective as far as SC coming in. Now that they've won two in a row and they're ranked, it seems like, as you've noticed and have no, uh, told us, that there's a lot more positivity surrounding the program. And all of a sudden, the arrow is exp- pointing extremely high. You got Utah next week, and you've already acknowledged it very well could be first game of the conference season for the Utes, second for SC, but it could determine who wins the South. So I'm trying to figure out. How does that work in BYU's advantage or disadvantage to have SC? Because maybe if they had lost a game, 
they wouldn't be as sky high, and they might be looking towards Utah next week. But now that they're 2-0 and and everything's pointing positively, i got to believe that they're at the top of the game. So I can't really figure out any psychological advantage or disadvantage for the Cougars. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for BYU fans, like USC could certainly be, you know, take this game a little lighter than they should, you know, and I think, um, you know, they were really excited uh, in the locker room. We were in the, you know, in the, the post-game media room and the locker rooms next to it, like through cement walls, and, man, it was pounding. They were, they were really excited about what was going on there, and I think Clay Hilton addressed that this week. It's like, this could be a trap. You have to make sure that you put that behind you. Um, if it was a close Stanford game, maybe they would, you know, be a little more focused on it. Hard to say, but I think there's a potential there for these kids that felt like they were so sky high. They know they got Utah coming up next week that they overlook this one a little bit, which I think would be obviously a huge mistake. I mean, you saw you know BYU go on the road and get a big win uh, in Knoxville. Uh, that the schedule for BYU the month of September is absolutely brutal, as you know. Um, but if you looked early in the season for BYU. Which game do you have the best chance to win? You probably circle the five and seven USC team that you get to play at home. So I think this is a game that uh, BYU is probably very focused on, and there's potential for some of the play, at least some of the players at USC, to be looking ahead to Utah. So I think there could be a bit of a psychological uh, you know, advantage there, um, especially with you know BYU coming off that huge road win and be able to play in front of their home crowd. We've been doing this a while, and there was a coach who didn't win very much at BYU and got fired, Gary Croton. But he told us both things about football that were so true that it panned out. I mean, I, I can still hear him 15 years ago saying, watch young quarterbacks in the NFL, watch young quarterbacks in college football. They're good until they get in the red zone, and then they're bad. The throwing windows are small. They throw the ball. Even if they make the right throw, if they make it half a beat late, that window closes, and it gets batted down or it gets picked off. And he told me that, and I can't tell you how many times I've been watching a game and I've seen that come true, and I think of him saying that and think he was spot on in the red zone. If BYU kind of plays the bend but don't break, drops eight guys, keeps everything in front of them so they don't get out-athleted you know, in some one-on-one matchup, which I think is a pretty likely strategy for them, how much do you trust USC to execute in a close game in the red zone on the road? Yeah, I think that's a really good point because Stanford played a lot of uh, man-to-man, and USC could kind of flood uh, the entire secondary with their. I mean, they have really good wide receivers, and they were able to win a lot of those matchups. And I think it wasn't that hard for Keaton Slovis because it was, you know, his first or second read. He wasn't taking a lot of time, and he was finding one of the guys open and and delivering the ball. But if there's more guys back in coverage. I think there's certainly uh, you know more opportunity for your young freshman quarterback to kind of hesitate and then miss that window that you guys were talking about. That's not really the way Stanford played, and I think it's going to be a better BYU secondary in general. And I think he's going to see some different coverages than what we saw against Stanford, who likes to kind of play you straight up, athlete for athlete. And USC just had way better athletes this time around. So that's something I think you definitely want to watch. If, if, you know, I, I think he's going to get his yards. You know, I think they're going to move the ball. But if you can lock it down in the red zone and you force field goals instead of touchdowns, I mean, that's a way you can win games. So I, I like what the coach said. I think that's something you certainly want to watch for. This is his first road experience in college. And, uh, you know, you can, you can only do that once. So it, it might be a good time to get on top of uh, Keaton Slovis and, and make sure that he's able to make the right reads and throw into tighter windows than he would like to. So when does the talk of JT Daniels transferring start? 
<laughs> it has. I mean, it, it did. As soon as like Slovis threw his first touchdown, I think it's ball was in the on. air. <laughs> I'm in the transfer portal. I'm out. I mean, it's, it's like it's so crazy now. I mean, USC just had one of their wide receivers who had one yeah. catch in the Stanford game. Yeah. Devin Williams enter the transfer portal. A I lot of people that. felt like he's got all this talent. You right. know, it's it's just different now. Yeah, my thought is that a quarterback is either a three-year starter or he's a grad transfer starter. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think there's similar aspects, too. I think this happened at Georgia, right, with uh, Fromm and uh, Eason, yeah. Jacob Eason, and yeah. one guy starts his whole freshman year, and yeah. then the next guy, you know, he right. gets hurt. And it's exactly it's, the same. It's definitely, you know, but I, I think there'll be jokes where it's like, oh, that guy threw an incompletion, he's going to enter the transfer portal tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just this kind of overreaction to everything that happened. <laughs> So speaking of overreactions, USC is a dumpster fire. Clay Hilton's going to get fired. They're going to be two and four after six games. There's that end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum, well, they had five receivers who were going to the NFL. If they just find themselves a good quarterback, you know they're going to be on their way. SC's going to the playoff. When you hear those two things, what do you say? Well, after Fresno State, I was thinking the former, and then after Stanford, it's closer to the latter. I mean, I predicted this team would go seven and five, but it's it's feeling more of a nine and three, ten and two kind of season. Now they they still have a lot of warts. There's still a lot of problems from last year that haven't been erased by bringing in, you know, Graham Harrell and a few other assistant coaches. So I, I and I think Stanford can be. We like to call it a false positive sometimes, where you look really good against Stanford. It doesn't mean you're going to be really good the rest of the year. It's just a unique kind of squad. So I'm just going to reserve judgment for the next couple of games. But if, if you know if they're able to go four and zero, I mean I, I think everyone on their schedule is beatable, and they got a shot at making a run. But I think it's more likely to kind of split those games or you know end up you know three and three after your first you know your your first six, and then you're you're probably in the middle of the road range again. But I. I don't know, guys. I mean, this is just one of those things where I didn't think they would look as good as they did against Stanford. Now I'm kind of like taking a step back on, all right, well, they, they, they have the roster, but they just haven't been able to put it together the last couple of years. So the roster's there. The talent is there. If they can actually play up to that level of uh, you know, talent production, it, it could be a, a really good run for USC. This isn't your area, but real quick, uh, how much of a disaster is it over in Westwood? Oh, my God. Like I was such an advocate for – People would say, "Don't hire Chip Kelly; he's going to be terrible." Like, no, he's going to be amazing. And I think I was wrong. <laughs> he was—he is definitely a lot more like the 49ers Chip Kelly than the UCLA Chip Kelly. And I didn't think that was going to be the case. It's just like they're not recruiting well. The offense looks bad. I mean, it's just—they're playing a lot of young players, but they brought 17 starters back from last year, and an 0-5 start is almost likely at this point uh and that's what they did last year so i don't know i mean maybe he turns things around it's it's almost like you're treating these games as preseason games so much but uh it's guys it just doesn't seem like it's it's going it's certainly not going the way i thought and uh i never thought i'd say this but they might be firing him after his second year which is baffling to me well having grown up rooting for san diego teams and you know i tear up at the mention of don coriel uh, I didn't mind seeing that. You know, the 23rd yeah. time was the charm. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> Ryan? Pretty, yeah, I yeah. mean. Th- thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, right. Ryan, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. And if you don't mind, we'll bother you again next week. That sounds good. Thanks, guys. Ryan Abraham, you can check out all his stuff, uscfootball.com. 
read stuff, listen to stuff. You got it all. Anything you want to know about USC football. And for the next two weeks, I think people here want to know a lot about USC football. Maybe beyond that. I have to see how the next two weeks go. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, we got an open segment. The question of the day, which is our fault, except for the fact that Kyle Whittingham brought it up unprompted. The game wasn't sold out. There were a lot of empty seats. How big a concern is that going forward? We'll let you hear what Kyle had to say. We'll get your thoughts. Got a lot of people tweeting at us. Go to David DJ James. Got a lot of people on Facebook. Go to DJ and PK. People call. We can open the phones in the next segment, 855-340-ZONE. And you can always grab your phone. No waiting. Use our app. Use the open mic. Send us your take. We'll get to it next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. T. Boone Pickens, the billionaire oil tycoon and philanthropist whose money helped put Oklahoma State football on the map, died yesterday at the age of 91. Florida State is hiring former Oregon defensive coordinator Jim Levitt as an analyst to help fix the flailing defense. Levitt was Florida State coach Willie Taggart's defensive coordinator in Taggart's only season at Oregon in 2017. Thursday Night Football features the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. Both teams lost their opener. The game kicks off tonight at 6.20. You can listen to it right here on the Zone Sports Network. Baltimore Orioles' Jonathan Villar hit a three-run homer in the bottom of the seventh. That was home run number 6,106 in the major leagues this year. That's a new major league record, and there's still 18 days left in the season. Top of the Wire brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero Team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero Team. 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. I saw you were trying to sell some Gobert State on Twitter. You said, I'm not doing it just defensively. I'm selling some of this offensively, too. My real estate on Gobert Island, I mean, I've got a palatial estate. <laughs> I have had great acreage on Gobert Island as a top-ten player in the NBA. You know, we have great space, and I have super views, and there's no construction. And I go to the coffee shop on Gobert Island. There's very few other people on it with me who believe is a top-ten player in the league. But it is at times lonely, and I frankly need to make some more money. So I'm willing to parcel off some pieces of my land. But it'll be nice when I go to the coffee shop and have some more people around to talk to. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. They're not in the afternoons anymore. They're actually in the mornings. Just wait till you play in L.A. at 5 a.m. That'll show ya. DJ PK brought you in part by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to 5000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. How long ago was that BYU press conference with they're not in the afternoons anymore? Long. Decade now? I don't yeah. know if it was Independence or maybe even back in the Mountain West, and it was a Bronco presser. So. It was, well, it, well, it wasn't a press conference. It was uh, some type of— uh, A booster function? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cougar Club in Salt Lake or something like that. Yeah. You think yeah. that guy's dead? I'll go yes. <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> who was that right there? Just use the open mic. That was Dwight. Oh. Way to go, Dwight. Not Dwight, but the guy who yeah, said, I know, it's you know. not in the, the afternoon, afternoon anymore. anymore. 
All right, before we get to the Utes, the stadiums, the morning games, what you want in the future, let's go to the phones. Brad, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. You just Great, heard Brad. You just heard Ryan Abraham. What are you thinking about USC? Oh my gosh! I think I'm worried about Utah that Utah game because I don't think Utah has a tough game this Saturday. They're just going to walk in, kick butt. Everyone's not going to. They got to prepare themselves for the USC game because they're favored to win the Pac-12. USC is shocking the world. After I watched Stanford and USC, oh my gosh. They're going to walk in BYU Stadium and give the edge to USC 31-23. to right, There it is. Brad has spoken. And Utah, he thinks Utah's going to have a cakewalk this week. I think that too. <laughs> I've evaluated that. I've crunched the numbers. I've gone over the video. Okay, so the whole thing about they're not preparing themselves with a the soft game, but we complain because the SEC puts soft games in October, November, so they can prepare for the big games. And they don't, you know, usually... I mean, there's yeah, well, what are you exception. talking about in November, though? But they've already played some. And, and you, it's pointless to compare yourself to Alabama. You don't lose that battle every time. I would like a tougher non-conference schedule for them, but uh, if they're going to play BYU in the first game, then you can't have the cream puff at the first game. And I know you fans would say we already have. I get that. I understand all that. But emotionally speaking, uh, you're not going to have any emotional edge against Idaho State. But I think that's where you have to just go to what I said earlier about the fans. You only got six or seven of them. That's it. You know, you do all this training day after day after day in the winter when no one's watching and it's all this grunt work that you're putting in and in the summer when it's hot you're doing all this stuff and you only got six or seven of them before your home fans so that alone ought to be something that gets you fired up and i don't think that whether they win or lose against sc it'll be because of having played idaho state the preceding week it'll be how good they are and how good sc is yeah now sc they, I, I do think you can draw some confidence from beating decent teams. And whether or not BYU, you can argue what level of decency are they, there are going to be few times outside of Notre Dame that SC goes on the road and plays in front of that type of crowd with that size and that much excitement. You have to, And Lavelle Edwards used to talk about this all the time. They'd ask him, what are you most proud of of all the things that you accomplished? And he would tell you that he was most proud of game day was an event now. And people came early and they set their schedules around it in the spring when the schedules came out and they bought tickets and all. And it was an event. College football, much like NFL, it is a game. It's a day-long event. And so whether BYU is competitive on the field remains to be seen. But the fact is that when SC pulls up to the stadium, they're going to feel like this is a big-time deal. Because it's a you know it's a fairly big stadium and I I assume it's going to be packed. There's going to be a lot of energy and all that stuff. So if they win, 
that's going to further bolster their case, particularly under this situation with an unproven quarterback and he gets a second game in which he looks very good, then that's worst-case scenario for the Utes. <laughs> they come into that game next Friday excited, and their fans, SC fans, are going to show up. What They've lowered the capacity of the Coliseum now. Is it in the 70s? 77,000. Yeah, and so it's going to be jammed. That's hard to get to on a Friday, but it's not a piece of cake to get to on a Saturday either. Uh, but there's enough people when you're dealing with millions of people to get seventy thousand. Yeah, they'll be there, and that's going to be a gigantic game. Yeah, what, what, is that on ESPN? It's Friday yeah. night ESPN game. Yeah, I mean they yeah. got to be ecstatic on that, so they're rooting for both of these teams to win for sure because then they're both going to be ranked. SC would might likely move up the rankings. Uh, Utah two, maybe a spot or two. Uh, but then if they beat SC, then they got a shot to jump up maybe three or four spots. All of a sudden, you're looking at knocking on the door of a top five. It's FS1, my bad. FS1, not ESPN. Okay, I didn't. I, that's what I, yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. So Fox has got to be ecstatic yep. on that. And they don't have the contract with BYU, so they can root against BYU in this case. <laughs> and so it has an opportunity to really set up. And for the Trojans, getting a win is going to bolster. For the Utes, getting a win is going to do nothing. The only thing you're hoping for is you don't come out of this game injured. Be interesting to see who they hold out. I mean, held out some guys last week, hold them out or limited playing time, getting early lead and just. Uh, sit yeah, guys. you're playing the odds though, but I mean, you yep. can get injured in the first play, of the first game. No question. Who was it? Kenneth Scott a couple of years, a few years back got injured on the first play, of the first game. If I remember, it was against uh, Utah State, wasn't it? And so then they had a tight end. I can't think of his name right now, but he he battled injuries all the time uh, when he was at Utah, and it was early in the season. A Polynesian kid. I can't remember which what his name is. And so you know, you you're dealing with odds now. Clearly, you want to get those guys out. You want. And they wouldn't be so bold to do this, but you would actually prefer if Zach Moss came out street clothes for the third quarter. Not because of injury, just right? Because just because we don't need him. It's thirty-five nothing. It's like he a got spring his, game. He got his hundred yards and three touchdowns. Right. We're done. Right, right. I w- I wouldn't think they would do that. That would be a you would just be f- tempting the football gods. But for all practical purposes, he won't be standing in street clothes. But you would like to see him just standing there. They're not they're not going to gain any momentum from this game, whereas the Trojans can gain particularly with the Slove man. If he comes out again, then they really have an opportunity to just go into that game sky high, and not just in Colorado, as Dan and Shay sang. Storm and Norman joins us. Norman, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing, uh, we're doing good. We're doing uh, well. I don't know. Do I call you Storm? Do I call you Norm? Do I call you Morm? What do I call you? You call me Storm and Norman, the performing Mormon. I'm the guy that did Kyle Whittingham's driveway, knows the Caboosies. You, you guys remember me. Oh, we're like brothers, man. We're brothers from another mother. We are brothers from another mother. Hey, I got a twist to throw at you guys that's going to piss off some Utah fans. Piss them off all it? the way, Stormy. Go ahead. Here we go. Uh, usually after BYU beats, after Utah beats BYU... BYU gets embarrassed and they go on a they go on a run, and so my prediction is that uh, BYU is going to beat USC by four. I'm calling it thirty to thirty-four for BYU, 
and then USC is going to get pissed off, and USC is going to beat Utah the next week. Mm, that's a lot of pissed off people there for two weeks in a row. What's the score of I'm next week? Why, I know you're telling me. Why we have you, what's the score next week? And you got to put the higher score first. You don't go 30-34. You go 34-30. No, you're right. I actually did that a little backwards. I got a little excited there. Next week, I think the score is going to be 17 to 14, USC. Because right. of those defenses. Okay. Those man. defenses are going to hold them down. But they're, it's going to be a 17 to 14 win for USC. Thank you, Storm and Mormon, from another mother of uh, my brother. <laughs> yes, you got it. You know, I always your show, I'm always listening to you. I just, uh, I'm busy working for people like Kyle Whittingham doing their driveways, so I don't always get to call in. No, but you I me mean, on a good moment. right. Thank, thankfully, we appreciate that. You got to pave driveways. I mean, it's what keeps driveways going. Is Storm and Mormon from another That's mother right. who's a mother brother? Yeah, thank you. All right, we Love appreciate it. All right, brother. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Question of the morning. I mean, he did Kyle's driveway. Kyle Whittingham, but yet he's picking against them. Kyle Whittingham brought up the stadium not being filled for the NIU game. Is that much of a concern going forward? Yes. He brought it up. If he bring it up, then it's a concern. Early game, not a glamour opponent. Then why'd he bring it up? He knew all that. It's not like any of that caught him by surprise. He wants it each and every time. And maybe he's a little worried about Idaho State this week. Of course he do. A little later, but lower profile opponent. All right, DJ and PK, we'll get to that next. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, the Zone. Diamond Airport Parking, bringing you to DJ and PK, reminding you to begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles. Fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. All right, PK. Attendance for the Utes. Is it a concern going forward? I don't think it is when they get to conference games. They'll be playing conference games at uh, 8.30 at night, and it'll be fine. And if they get a five yeah, or six I mean, game... They may not have had top guys recruiting. The recruits might not have been at th- those games. You only got six or seven of them. You're a nationally ranked team. and You're missing the point. What's the point? The point is the place should be packed at 45,000. You've got a potential playoff team here. You are in the top ten in the country Top 10 teams in the country get at least 45,000 people to their games, no matter when they're being played. Those are all facts. <clears throat> Look them up. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine now. Okay, good. I just need to clear the throat a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm a human being here. I know sometimes I appear superhuman with my takes and energy, but sometimes I need to rally and reset. Aaron grabs your cape and holds on for dear life. 
With a winning program like the Utes, not filling their smaller stadium is a problem. College football only has a few home games a year. It's a big deal. And you can't schedule Alabama and USC every home game. So he is solidly with you. Right. That's what Kyle was saying, you freaking front runners. Jeff says, oh, yeah, everyone thinks they want a day game, but a large portion of the fans have kids are in sports on Saturdays. It's always going to be tough to fill, especially with a non-Pac-12 team. So that's where it's gotten the high. Do you think units. Alabama has that? Well, our kids are playing little league football. Well, it doesn't actually, matter. You actually, can miss the game. They're going to all be state champions anyway. Actually, we've heard Nick Saban complain about the crowds. No, that, leaving. And leaving heard, that's early. True. It not, is true leaving. No, but you're wrong. Still, but, but also, we just heard them complain about getting another 11 a.m. start. Fine. We've had the most 11 a.m. But they're not complaining about the the fans. You're missing the point. They're not complaining about what Kyle mentioned. He was complaining about early, as opposed to not showing up. You're right. And when you're perfect, you got to have something to whine about. (laughs) Like Kevin Durant, some days I hate the NBA. Yeah, and those days aren't the first and the 15th. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they are now. Maybe he's got enough money. He doesn't even like the first and 15th anymore. Ah, yeah, look, another million bucks. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, don't rule it out. <laughs> the trials and tribulations of Kevin Durant. <laughs> How does he get through them? <laughs> oh, man. I know you think this, too, and this may sound weird to people who are younger, but, you know, you get to a point and stuff happens and you want to tell your dad and you can't. And I really oh, like wish... golfing with a Masters champion? Yeah, absolutely. I golfed yeah. with Mike Weir, Masters champ. Your dad would be your bleep and he'd be going nuts, right? Yeah. And my dad, he said some things about sports and it was like, Wow, how did you get that? I mean, we get stuff like that, but we have access to talking to people who tell us stuff. You know, and he the first time he read something about steroids, he called out a Padre player for being on roids, and he just completely nailed it. Tony Gwynn did not do steroids. He was not talking about Tony Gwynn. No. <laughs> but he did say when Dave Winfield left the Padres for the then outrageous $2 million bucks, this can't keep going on. <laughs> two millions turned into $200 million contracts. Now I'm like, yeah, Dad, you kind of swung and missed on that one. <laughs> He wasn't Tony Gwynn. <laughs> $200 million in deals. Holy cow. All right, we got a ton of people weighing in here. Uh, most of the empty seats for the must. Michael's calling out the students. There was he's, a lot, yeah. He's giving it. Other than the north end zone, us. It's us and the must. That's where the volume is. That's where we need. It was 87 degrees in the blazing sun at 11 a.m. Half the crowd wasn't even awake. I know Whittingham likes the early kickoffs. But we as fans, we prefer 5 to 7 p.m. kickoffs. The sun's setting, it's much cooler. But you have no choice. He has no choice. The university has no choice. So TV, TV you networks get past gonna, that. TV networks, including your own, the Pac-12 network, is going to assign game times. That's they why you got 11 the, a.m. They're the gods when it comes to that. And we had a guy earlier who said, hey, Arizona and Utah shouldn't get 11 a.m. They shouldn't. I agree. Colorado right, either. Right. But Mountain Time Zone, Utah and Colorado are going to get the 11 a.m. Because otherwise, you got to give somebody 10 a.m. in the Pacific Time Zone. They're not going to do that. Well, the they're answer gonna, to Kyle in that... Is don't friggin' schedule Northern Illinois. Right. Have a higher quality opponent and you so won't you get, get you won't get the Pac twelve. And then the other thing for the Pac twelve is they ought to be playing conference games these first couple of weekends. And they did have two last weekend, so you gotta give them credit for that. And I think they're missing the boat here. Play some conference games earlier. Yeah, but TV the, networks will uh, pick the them up. The problem with that, uh, yeah, but you have to be a really big dog to be able to do that. What do you mean? Well, who does that? Stanford and SC. Right. I think the attitude in the conference office is they want none, and Stanford and USA play an early conference game because they both play Notre Dame late. But they scheduled Washington and uh, 
Cal. and Cal. You know, and they could schedule a, a Utah ASU game this week. A TV network would be interested in that. Yeah, There'd but then the, no, stake. no, no, because then those two teams have to find a game in October or November, and it's not as easy for them. SC right. can call anybody. You want to play us? Yeah, a, a Rangers schedule for the second week of November. Done. Right. Utah and and ASU think, can't do that, and, and that's where they should pay a couple of big sky teams. You complain that the SEC does it. The SEC does it because it is like mixing in yeah, another. But they buy. can't and afford to do it. So they don't have the money because of the no, TV contract? No, When I say they can't afford to put a, a Big Sky team in November, it's not financial. It's the momentum. No, Clemson, or Alabama in this case, can get away with it because they're so huge. And so fine, Herb Street can throw darts at them all they want, but it doesn't matter. The Pac-12 can't do that. They don't have the stature to be able mm. to schedule Idaho State in Interesting. November. Interesting. I haven't heard that pitch before. They don't have the stature, and they'd get beat up for it. Yes. So you think they'd get treated, even though it's the same thing, it would be kind of like the way the one-loss team plays out in the playoffs. The SEC gets a of pass, co- and the Pac-12 gets called out. Alabama just puts its in de- its a four fingers <laughs> down at the bottom of its throat <laughs> and goes all the way up past Waves the Waves up the neck. Yeah. <laughs> We're making the rules here, right. people. And because they are. And they can do whatever they want, and everything's going to be catered around them. But the conf- the, this conference, this conference here is we just our own guys. Ricky the Tricky Dicky rich, w- Dishwasher. <laughs> Tricky Ricky the Dishwasher. He says, "Oh, the Pac-12 sucks this year. They've got more ranked teams than two of the other five combined. Combined." The ACC has two. Yeah. The Big 12 has two. Two plus two is? Come on, use that ASU math. I believe it's four. Exactly. And the Pac-12 has five But yet teams. this conference sucks. What well, are we talking about? Well, I think what his shorthand is there's nobody in the top ten. That's what he's well, saying. Well, except but there are. Different. The Utes are in the top ten. Eleventh. No, and in I saw them tenth in one. Oh, yeah. And I voted them fourth. <laughs> you homer. <laughs> I don't have a vote, but in my heart. <laughs> Where it matters. <laughs> Deep down. I go ASU, BYU. They are currently 11th, <laughs> NAU. In, 11th in AP and 12th in the coaches poll. But you may have seen some somebody's power rankings or something that had them higher. Well, they're, but they're on the come. And so, and they don't have anybody in the top 10. So what, whatever, if they had somebody whatever in the top is, 10, right. we don't have somebody in the top 9. There's no depth. They don't have somebody in the top 5. Yeah, a Fanabla. Brett says, uh, whatever the problem was last week, Saturday won't be better. 2.15? It's too hot. <laughs> oh. And the drinking fountain, I got to walk halfway around the stadium. Come on. Uh, nine is a lonely number, says, simple answer to this debate? No. Last week had many factors that you will not see going forward. Take tracks if parking sucks. You know, they've got like four guys who sit up in the press box facing west, and they're all on uh, some form of communication. Like walkie-talkie kid time and stuff? Or well, cell all phones. sorts of stuff yeah. to program the tracks and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You go by the elevator, uh, the south elevator, uh-huh. and you see them sitting there, and they're monitored because they, bu- you know, they have the view of the tracks yeah. and the people there, and it's all coordinated. It's just not random. I mean, it's a big, big deal they got going on there, and you've seen they sit, they're obviously sitting there. I assume that's what they're doing because they're looking at it, and you can hear them talk. So I mean, get, get past all this stuff, man. You only got six or seven. You got a nationally ranked team. You got a slew of guys who are taking off after this year. 
you know, you got three seniors on the defensive line. You got Jalen Johnson and Blackman. Blackman's a senior. I assume Jalen Johnson's going to take off since he told us the second week of his right. freshman year this was the plan. Well, they're going to lose their quarterback. They're going to lose their star running back. Yeah. Those guys are seniors. Well, he said three years, graduate NFL. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That he was the game plan. He said that like in the second week. Yeah, that was his game plan when he was getting recruited. Yeah. That, so he, he was not upset that he didn't go to Oklahoma and missed out on a playoff game. He came to college. Who, who coaches up guys and sends defensive backs to the NFL? It wasn't, how do I get to the playoff? We asked him about that because Oklahoma was a finalist. And, and he may get the last laugh there, despite what you say. And so you, you're not going to have these guys around very long. You're running. We're going to wake up, and it's going to be November 15th. Right? Get out to the stadium. Support these guys. If you've already bought in the tickets, and, and they pronounce sellouts so that you've already bought in the tickets. I'm not racked into botting again. I did the first time. Now use them. <laughs> I All say, right. if you bought in... Use them. Final word for this segment. We'll continue this on the other side. But Ryan Wilson, he uses his name and his Twitter handle. Bold, Ryan. I like it. Well, that means he's not going to take shots then. Uh, no, actually, he's going to take a shot. He says, <laughs> the muss is so poo-poo. <laughs> yeah, but I mean shots at individual people. No, you're right, individual people, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.